The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Have you ever had a promise from God that took years to become true? I mean, we know that God's promises are yes and amen, but that doesn't make the waiting any easier. In fact, maybe you're in the middle of that right now, or maybe you know someone else who is. If that's the case, you're really going to want to hear what Yvonne Rempel of the Damascus Experience shares about what God's done in her life. Welcome to From the Forefront podcast by FX Missions. We believe that God calls us beyond where we are, equips us for the unforeseen, and gives us the victory, even if we don't ever see the victory ourselves. Welcome. We know that God's ways aren't our ways, but that doesn't mean that we feel frustrated or confused when we're hurt or don't understand in the middle of it all what's going on. When it feels like there's no plan and we're just getting hit from every side for no reason, or do we feel frustrated or confused? Good question. As we talk today, you're going to discover how a dream about getting lost led to writing a book, what a God imprint is, one of the reasons people are hurt and disillusioned even when they are walking in God's calling, and what we need to remember when we're in the middle of our journey and we seem to be going nowhere. This is an incredibly powerful conversation, and I know you're going to hear from God as Yvonne Rimple and I talk about what he's doing and has done in her life and ministry. Hi, Scott McClellan here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for being with us. We're excited today to have Yvonne Rempel. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Well, I'm a lot warmer than you are, Yvonne. <laughs> I feel confident you're in central Canada. Is that what they call Manitoba, central Canada? Yeah, I would say we're pretty central in Canada. So yeah, we're central Canada, but we're also the winter capital of Canada. So... <laughs> I'm confident that everyone is warmer in the world than we are right now. <laughs> As we're recording here, we're in the deep of winter for Canada, which is, you know, you've got a six month chance of having winter in uh, <laughs> central winter capital, <laughs> Canada. We didn't get on here to talk about Canada's winters. We're here to talk about a few other things, but we thought we'd get that out of the way to begin with. Thank you for being here. I was introduced to you by my podcast producer, actually, who recommended that we get on the podcast. And you've got a lot going on, kind of like me, I think. You've got a, you know, there's some book stuff there. There's a podcast. Oh, wait, let me launch another podcast. I've got too little to do. 
and you also co-founded a ministry. So let's jump right in. I know that you may have a lineup in terms of what you want to talk about first. Welcome. Thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. What do you want to talk about first? Can we talk a little bit about your book? What I read was you had your first book coming out. Where are we at on the God Imprint book? We have officially launched the God Imprint worldwide as of today. Hallelujah. That's awesome. I am so excited. As a person who tortured themselves through the process of writing a book, we've got strong fellowship right now. I got to say, I've got nothing but respect for folks <laughs> who get a book across the goal line. That is awesome. Tell us about the God Imprint. What's it about? And, and why would someone want to read the God Imprint? And who is it that you're looking to benefit from this book? I wrote the God Imprint after I actually had a dream. So I had a dream where I was standing on a road. I was a little bit lost and there was a man standing on the road and he kept yelling at me, the God imprint, the God imprint. And when I woke up, I did a little bit of research and I discovered what the word imprint meant. An imprint means is that you actually become like a person you are the closest to. Now, I use that title because my entire life, the journey I've been on is taking off what I call the world and putting on my original way that God created me to be. So this is a story of my childhood trauma, PTSD, abuse, neglect, finding out I was pregnant at 18, becoming a mother. I never wanted to be a mother because I didn't want to be like my mother. And then from the moment I found God, I just watched him redeem little by little by little the things in my life that I never, ever thought he could redeem. There's a lot in that story to unpack there. Obviously, the God imprint is going to be something you'll want to check out. The Lord really takes us through a lot of stuff sometimes, and it sounds like that is probably an understatement for what you just described. As you're saying, focusing on the the imprint from God. It's interesting the guy was yelling at you. How did that strike you in the dream? He was trying to get me to understand something that I was not understanding. You know, when you're lost and somebody's yelling at you the directions and all of a sudden it clicks and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly where I was supposed to go. That's exactly what I was supposed to do. It was that moment in the dream where I'm standing there and he's yelling at me and I woke up and I went, oh, that exactly has been the journey I've been on, is discovering who God really made me to be, why I went through the things that I went through, and how he's always been there for me. That's powerful. And I think it's hard to ignore all of the stuff that's coming at you. It's much easier to escape or to miss what God's doing in everything that's coming at you and what his plan is in everything that's coming at you and how he's going to turn that for your good. When it's going on, that's hard. That's hard. That's hard. It sounds like you made it through that process. Yeah. The journey I take you on is very authentic. So you'll see a lot of parts in the book where I'll be like, I'll have my actual conversation with God saying, this is the dumbest thing ever. Why am I doing this? To a couple of years later, realizing, oh, that's why. <laughs> oh, that's why. And it's these moments of going, I think I know better. I think I know how I should be to him 
taking me on that journey and then realizing. So everything is hindsight, right? So writing the book was these moments of going, oh, that's why I went through that. Oh, that's why I had to do it that way. Oh, now I get it. Wow. If we stick with the process, guys, it makes sense. Most often it does not make sense in the middle. But the promise of God is to get us through to understanding. We always want to understand in advance so we can minimize our risk. But that's not the way life works, or at least that's, I think, generally true and certainly true of me and others that I've gotten to know. Helping us understand. Understanding is a part of the process. Usually that doesn't come first. (laughs) No, (laughs) generally it does not. (laughs) I remember having a dream where I was given this measurement and I had this measurement and I was like, what is this measurement? You know, I had no idea. What was significant of it? So, of course, I tried immediately to find out, figure out what this measurement is and all. And it was years later I was reading in Revelation of all things, and they referenced the exact measurement I was given in the dream. I was like, wow, that is cool. You know, thank you, Lord. I'm glad I didn't forget <laughs> that measurement. Wow. So, the God imprint is everywhere worldwide right now, as of today. How long did you work on that thing? I wrote the book in six weeks. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty good. You know, when there's just a story that needs to be told or where there's that moment, something just is ready to come out. That's what the process was for me. Every day I sat down and I knew exactly what I was writing, which stories I was going to tell, how I was going to tell it. And I really felt that the process was very Holy Spirit driven because there will be things that I would have written that I could hear God going, no, don't write it like that. And so I would have to remove the entire paragraph. And then when I rewrote it, I was like, oh yeah, that is true to what happened in the story and not my feelings of what happened in the story. Mm, Wow. Being led like that in the process. uh, You've got my anticipation up to read the book. I've just got to say it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. Let's move on here and talk a little bit about the Damascus experience. That's a ministry you co-founded that focuses on the next generation of leadership. I believe I'm saying that right. Yeah. Tell us about what caused you to want to do this kind of work. How did you get involved and how was it meaningful to you to begin something like this? So Damascus experience was developed over years of learning who I was and really the gifts and talents God gave me. I was given a promise that one day I would lead people to God, and that was 15 years ago. And so I thought what he meant was I was going to be a youth pastor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I was working in youth at the time as a youth leader, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to go back to school. And uh, that's not what he meant at all. (laughs) That has happened to me. Just as you're describing it, I laugh because I relates so closely. What did he mean? Not youth pastor, but what did it end up meaning? What it ends up meaning is first, I needed to learn where my areas of victory were. And then I needed to learn what my calling was. And when I put both of them together, I really realized that my passion and desire in something that I never thought I would do is to really bring hope and light into the world. And hope and light in the world isn't just going out and doing street ministry. I have this desire 
that when people feel they're called to being a doctor or a lawyer or being an accountant, whatever is your desire to be, that you bring the presence of God and you get to change the culture wherever you go. And I have watched numerous people go into the world and really be broken by it. And I didn't understand one day why, you know, people were coming back from the world, going back to the church, feeling broken, going, this isn't my calling. I guess this isn't what I was meant to do. And I realized it's not that you weren't meant to do it. It's that you're trying to do it alone. So we have sent missionaries into, this is what I call them. We've sent missionaries out there alone into the world. And then we are pleasantly surprised when we find another Christian working in the office with us. We're like, oh, another person on my team, right? But what if we sent people into the world and there was already a team established for them? What if we sent people who are already connected in the field that they're called to, to pray for change, to talk about the things that are happening in their field that God has given them that area of influence? And what if that connection was already made? Then they wouldn't be changing their mountain of influence alone. They would actually have a team of people to be doing it with. Almost like an infrastructure of support that was built out that they can kind of step into. People with the same challenges, people with the same difficulties. That sounds so relatable in terms of how valuable that would be to people. That's pretty cool. It sounds like it's uh, built on something there possibly that needed further definition. You know, it's one thing to go into various mountains of influence, which we've heard that message. You've heard that message. Sometimes I think we see and hear people talking about these different visions or things God's given them as a message. And that's great and very inspiring. But it sounds like you took that to another level and built it out a little. Yeah, it really stemmed from I love conferences. I love going to church conferences. I love meeting with other people who carry the same vision. My frustration came when I left those conferences and they went, now go do it in your own hometown. And I sat there and I went, how? I don't know how to do that. I'm not a pastor. How do I build a prophetic team? How do I build a discipleship? Like, I don't know how to do these things. And I realized how many people do we encourage to go into the world to go be the light? And they're like, how? We'll just talk about Jesus. Well, that doesn't always work when you're sitting with, you know, million dollar businessmen. You don't always get a seat at the table, you know, if you're always talking about Jesus. But if you were to have a seat at the table and you carry the characteristics of Jesus, influence of culture would change way more than always talking about Jesus all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So you'd focus on your contribution there in terms of benefit to the environment. You know, obviously we're praying back here and we're saying, Lord, touch my coworkers, bless them, help them. But when we come to the table, if you will, from a work point of view, then we bring the value that we've cultivated as a part of the business, as a part of the effort, as a part of the team. That's pretty cool. I know what you're saying. I've been to a ton of conferences as well over many years, and they're great. The first step of any journey is probably the most important, you know, because you've got to get motivated. Something has to move you. As you're mentioning very clearly that where conferences fail us sometimes is that it's enough motivation for the first several steps. <laughs> and then what now? You know, it sounds like the what now and the what else and then 
what's next, you know, the Lord showed you some of that stuff in a practical way. You were able to incorporate what things were causing you to be motivated into an environment where they could make a difference. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm also motivated by that. But once the initial motivation energy fades, how do we stay motivated? And I think what you're saying there is by finding practical aspects of how this expression of what God wants to do happens here, happens with me. So that was the Damascus experience. Yeah. Is the On the Road to Damascus podcast, is it given? I know that's one of your podcasts. Again, you're launching another one because you don't have enough to do, <laughs> right? Do you talk about that as a subject? Is that kind of the centerpiece of what you're trying to develop on the uh, Road to Damascus podcast? How does that differ? What can you tell us? When Damascus Experience Ministry was developed, the sole focus was from Acts 22, right? When Paul went from Saul to Paul. He had this radical encounter with God, and it really just changed who he was. And then he was called to go into the mission field. And so we look at Damascus experience as training people to go into the mission field of where they're called in the world. But the On the Road to Damascus podcast really focuses on those on stories of inspiration and hope of people who have gone through that people who can share their stories so that our listeners know that God isn't done with their story either. Mm. So it's the on the road to Damascus context or type of experience, if you will, is what you guys explore. Yeah, we really explore the, not the moment you became a Christian. We're talking about the moment where your whole life changed for Christ because I believe there's a moment where there's some people, and for some people, that's the moment they gave their life to Christ. Mm -hmm. Yes. But for some people, it's the moment that they went, I was a Christian for 10 years. I didn't really know what it was about. And then all of a sudden I had this radical encounter and it forever changed my life. I really want to talk about that moment where God just says, I'm going to interrupt your whole life because I want you for me. We want to talk about that and we want to talk about the struggle it was and how hard it is because sometimes the interruption you just don't want. Sometimes it got interrupts in my life and I'm like, yeah, not right now. Can you come back in two weeks? <laughs> this is slightly inconvenient timing here, master of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to just double back with me and I've got important things here. <laughs> yeah. You, can you not see my calendar? <laughs> I'm free next Wednesday at five, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's double back on that. I'm tracking with you on so many fronts there. As you say, some cases, that is it. There's this Damascus Road experience as it was for Paul, obviously. It happened simultaneously, right? He saw a bright light. People were scared. They ran for their lives. You know, there he is. And a voice is speaking that cannot be ignored. And so that was obviously his conversion experience or that he was in the process. The guy came, prayed for him. He got his sight back. That was quite an interruption. Oh, by the way, I'm taking your sight here for a few days. I really relate to your comment on the fact that for some of us, and maybe it might be for most of us, that that experience of total life interruption may not be simultaneous to us, you know, our initial surrender to Christ. Is that the way it happened for you? 
No, it wasn't for me. The moment I gave my life is when he radically interrupted my life. So it is a little bit of a different story, but I want to make sure that the story doesn't sound like that, because if you didn't have that experience, that doesn't mean that your experience is wrong. Right. Yes. And I think in our energy and zeal to tell our stories in the most powerful way, sometimes we make people feel like unintentionally, for the most part, we make people feel like if your experience wasn't just like this, it doesn't count or go back and have a real experience next time. I mean, that's not the point. Not everybody has the same experience. God is you know, he's managing at the snowflake level. And in Canada, that keeps him really busy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at that kind of detail and granularity in our lives, you know, the Lord is dealing with us so directly, which is going to make every, there's going to be some similarities in stories, but it's going to make every story its own and so unique but not less or more valid because it didn't have this element or that. Is that how you mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. You know, I was ready for my life to be interrupted. And for some people, they're not ready that. And I believe that God not only is loving, he's so honorable in that. He knows when it's time for those massive interruptions. He knows that your character is ready to have that interruption because you're not going to run away from him when it happens. And so what I love is how every story is so uniquely attached to a person's character and personality on how he interrupts them and how he just lovingly molds them into who they are. Mm, Yeah, that is something that's attractive, I think, about God when we realize it for what it is. I mean, it's like, you're making me love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's working. You know, the more we see of God, I think the more we are drawn and powerfully drawn to love him and to realize that all of this stuff is for our good and will be to our great advantage, even though it looks dressed up like work or it's dressed up like trouble or it's dressed up like inconvenience or whatever it's dressed up like. God knows what he's doing, folks. He knows what he's doing. We can rest in that. Okay. Now, let's talk about this preoccupation or this focus you're mentioning here about the next generation. And the reason I want to emphasize that or want to unpack it a little bit, that has been a real thing for me in the last couple of decades as well. The emerging generation of leaders, how that's going to look different from the current generation of leaders. And why has that been important to you? What is it about the emerging? I call it the emerging generation. I'm not talking about a lot of things that have their name tagged with emergent or all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. So I'm talking about those who are not yet in their spots of full expression of influence, but they're on their journey. What is it about? I'm sorry, I'm over talking this. It comes from my background. Talk to us. What can you say about that? I have a deep passion for the next generation, which was really birthed out of my story when God redeemed me of being a mom because I never wanted to be a mom. And in the end, he started telling me that being a mother to the next generation was something I was going to do, which is funny because I mum people. 
and I can't help it, but not mum in the way of, you know, I tell people what to do. I really realized that there is a way to speak to the next generation that has access to all the information on Google, who are constantly being told what they can and cannot do. And there's a way to give them information, but point them to the truth, which is God. Yes. And to really pick up all that information I just gave you, put it in your backpack. Now I'm going to give you the directions where you're going to go sit at the feet of Jesus and you're going to unpack it with him. Because I don't want to answer the question for you. I believe that our next generation is going to be the most faith-filled generation that the world is ever going to see. And it's going to be birthed out of the intimacy of sitting at the feet of Jesus, where they're going to unpack the questions that they have been asking church and the world. And we're going to show them that actually the answers don't come from us. The answer comes from him. Wow. That sounds like some good mumming to me. (laughs) The way you're saying mom, of course, pardon me for being so persnickety here, but it tips the cards a touch on where some of your work has been done, I think. You can help me with this, and we won't take long on this. It's an aside, but Canada. Okay. The U.S. Okay, we got the U.S., we got Canada, and then we have Great Britain. Yes, to me, it's it's like Canada's culturally, and I don't know how you say mom up there, but culturally, that environment, that country, is it's somewhere between the U.S. and Great Britain. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you say mom? No, they say mum. Well, we say mom, M-O-M, but in England, it's mum, M-U-M, mum. Yeah. You know, I know that. It doesn't make sense to me. But hey, they invented the language. So what can I say? I can't say too much, but I scratch my head. But I think the way you're pronouncing that kind of tips the cards that you've done some work in uh, the mother country or whatever (laughs) we call it. I don't know what we call it. Tell us about your work in England. My husband and my two kids sold our home and we moved to England. We felt God was calling us to go out there and start sowing some seeds because I believe that we're going to start seeing a revival coming out of Northern England. What area are we talking about? We're talking about Liverpool. We're talking about Blackpool. We're talking about Preston, which is an area up there. We're talking about those areas up there. So culturally, that's a touch different. From what I understand from the British friends that I have, there's some hardened areas. Some of the areas that are outlying and maybe industrial or, you know, have a reputation for being the tougher areas, just in a cultural sense. Does that accurately describe Liverpool and and those areas? I think, yes. A lot of them culturally are a little bit harder. But what I saw while I was there, because we were there for five months, we're home now for a bit. But what I did see is that there is a move happening there. And we're seeing people who are moving from Southern England to Northern England because God is calling them up there. So something is happening. Something is happening. But one of the things that they do have in England is they have a deep sense of tradition. And with comes a deep sense of tradition comes a deep respect for the hierarchy and family. And so when you start acting like a mom, guess what happens? People respond. (laughs) People respond. Because when you act like a mom, they treat you like a mom. Okay. Which is with respect and regard. Do you guys have plans to get back 
to England. What's the temperature like in Liverpool? (laughs) It can't be what it is in Manitoba. No, it is not. And probably, I would say Liverpool is probably only, I don't know, plus 10 right now. Plus 10 Celsius? Yeah, plus 10 Celsius. You guys are minus... 40. (laughs) Forgive my preoccupation with your temperature, but it is remarkable. You know, I'm in uh, Dallas, Texas area, and we got all the way to like minus one Celsius today. I don't think in Celsius, so obviously we're going to 65 Fahrenheit today. You guys got plans to get back to that yes. area of England? What's, what's the hope there? What's the plan? Our hope is at the moment is we will be heading back come fall time. We have two teenagers still, you know, who need some schooling. <laughs> you can't just pull them out of school. And with the world that it is right now, a lot of things happen on Zoom which gives us great opportunity to still do a lot of work on Zoom. Well, we'll certainly be praying for you guys that the plan that you have and how you're being led is met with the grace and provision that it requires. I've done a lot of international work. I know a little bit about how that can be. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. I've got a friend, close friend, who's going to be in Oxford. They're getting ready to go long term in Oxford. So I'll introduce you to them. That sounds great. Okay, we're marching down toward the end of the time. I want to make sure and not miss anything that you want to share, but also want to kind of just, if nothing else, lift the lid a little bit on your new podcast. What's it going to be called and what's the focus there? So my new podcast I'm launching is called Generation X, X for Christ, So it really is going to be geared towards the next generation that is coming up. And how's the format of uh, what you're expecting to do there? Is it interview style? Are you going to be talking about things that you have been shown about this generation? How are you going to attack that? I am going to do it topic style. So we are going to talk about things that churches don't often want to talk about, but the world is all too willing to share about. As I am a firm believer of not answering all the questions for everybody, what I want to do is I want to equip people, the audience who are listening, with the ability to take all the information I'm giving to you versus church, versus culture, everything, why we should do the things that God has called us to do, put it in a package and go, okay, now bring this to the feet of Jesus and unpack it with him. I love the style you're bringing to this, and I think that's probably inherent in your approach just in who you are. And that to me is very cool. For me, as I may have mentioned, I just finished my book as well, published January 4th of 2022. Congratulations. Having a good editor is going to make that sound a lot better. Maybe he'll leave it in just for comedic effect. I hope so. I'm reading books that were written before I was you know, born and, and they are still having an effect and an impact on me. I pray that for your book and mine as well. I love the style of what you're saying there because it also matches up with something that's important to me. I think a lot of our ministry, our presentations, the things that are written, uh, books, all these kinds of things, they try to create a complete thought. They basically say, this is where the final thought is that I'm trying to communicate and let's work our way back. So we're going to do all the thinking for you. Yeah. And I think your approach is saying, hey, look, 
I'm going to try to inspire thought and get people to engage. Yeah. But I think the approach of the generations to come is going to be, let me inspire thought. I want to inspire thought in you. I don't want to package a complete set of thoughts that you can just pull from the shelf and take as your own. Am I saying that right? How does that resonate with you? Yeah, you're saying it exactly right. I believe that, you know, we have a opportunity to mold a really faithful generation that is going to carry the wisdom of Solomon. But the thing is, is that the wisdom of Solomon didn't just come because it was a gift given to him, it's because he sat with God. And so we have an opportunity to teach the next generation how to sit with God to get that inspired thought, to get the revelation. The final word should always come from Jesus. It should always be the truth. But I can lead you down the path to where he is and then say, okay, go on. Now it's your turn. You go, you go. And I think we're, we're going to see some of the most mature Christians, most mature leaders that we have not seen in a very long time come out of this generation. I'm taking your characterizations there to heart. Yeah, I've got three daughters. They're 30, 26, and 20. A little bit ahead of you there on the time trajectory. Of course, that came as no surprise. One lady on the podcast, almost my age, thought I was her dad's age. <laughs> I'm going to believe that that was the, you know, my voice sounded mature. I'm just going for that. But it's important to me to believe and embrace that for my children. You know, I want my children to be an expression of what you're saying there. And I believe in a lot of ways they are. But I think the answers that we've been giving in ministry and church in those kind of contexts, the pat answer, it's the answer that, you know, don't worry about thinking about it. This is what the answer is. And I think we've got to take a different approach with the generations that are coming for our sake and for theirs. We need to help them come to their own conclusions in a way that honors God and Scripture. Not trying to be so open-minded that my brain falls out when I bend over. We've got to be less reactionary and help people discover for themselves this gospel, this truth, this God that we serve. Very, very cool. You're checking all the boxes here. I got to come on your podcast. You do. You need to come on the podcast. You're really, you know, you're encouraging me to, uh, to end many of the things that are very important to me. So thank you for that. And I appreciate your efforts for the gospel, for Jesus, and for his kingdom. That is powerful. I'm so happy that we had a chance to get together here. I, something tells me it won't be our last recording session, on, even on this side of the podcasting realm. So I want to make sure and get on anything else that you want to include and then I want to give some folks ways to be more familiar with yourself and what you're doing. So what is it that, if anything, that you wanted to make sure and emphasize while we were talking that we haven't got a chance to say so far? You know, in everything that we had this opportunity, that I've had this opportunity to share on your podcast is I want people to fully understand that it's never too late and he is never done with your story until there is a breath left in you. There should always be an opportunity and a moment where he is calling you to do something. Just to be engaged. Yeah. That's huge. The collaboration that the Lord invites us to, 
right? I mean, we're not, <laughs> we're not programmed. And then we go out and do our things like automatons, right? We're not machines here. God's will is not just, hey, I want you to do something. It's an invitation to collaborate with the Most High God. And as long as there's life and breath in you, you're still in the journey of collaboration. Very, very inspiring stuff. I'm stoked, Yvonne. Thank you for sharing that. If folks want to find out more about Damascus Experience, your book, let's get all those details really quick. And we'll, of course, backlink all of this so folks can find it easily. Give us the rundown there. So you can find us at www.damascusexperience.com. If you don't want to head to a website, go hit up our Instagram or our Facebook at Damascus Experience. You can find our podcasts on Instagram, On the Road to Damascus and Generation X. And The God Imprint is available worldwide on Amazon. Wonderful. That was like record time. (laughs) I envy your efficiency as an overtalker. Thank you. We'll backlink, as I said, all that stuff. And yes, let's do continue the conversation. I'm so thankful you joined me. And in so many ways, I'm encouraged. I hope you are. And I hope that each one who's hearing this is also encouraged to engage in this great collaboration, in this meaningful relational involvement (laughs) that God's inviting us to, right? And when you guys thaw out, you know, just feel free to come to Texas and say, hey, we'd love to have you down here. We'll give you some barbecue. No, thank you for what you're doing. Do keep us posted on those social media platforms. We'd love to keep up with your return to Northern England and those kind of things. Really, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. All right. I am Scott McClelland, and this has been our time with Yvonne Rempel of a lot of efforts, I've got to say. We're so thankful. Do please go check out her book that's worldwidely available now, The God Imprint. Find out what that means to you. And if you have to have a dream where someone's yelling at you, hey, may God's will be done. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. Did you get something out of that? Did God reveal something to you? I got something out of it, and he revealed things to me as well. If you don't mind, share something that related to you, whether it's about walking in your callings, alone, needing infrastructure, God's interruptions, or taking a leap of faith when moving. That sounds like a big one. So we just packed all our stuff up and crossed the ocean. Can you relate? Maybe you've got a story just like it. If you do, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you at my email, scott at fxmissions.com. If what she shared about being wounded and not understanding God's plan spoke to you, I want to encourage you to check out episode 65 from Brian Morricon and specifically our conversation about his song, which is also shared in the episode called Wounded Boy. The links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining. Thanks for being with us. If God spoke to you today, We'd love to hear about it. Click through to the episode notes on your podcast app. Choose the link for your favorite social media platform and share it with us there. And if you've not done this already, 
follow the show in your favorite podcast app at fromtheforefront.com slash follow. Click the link in the episode notes, choose your favorite podcast app, and follow us there to get every episode for free.